the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, October the 19th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. On October 19, 2001, U.S. Special Forces began operations on the ground in Afghanistan. They opened a new phase of the assault against the Taliban and Al-Qaeda. Today in 1781, British troops under General Lord Cornwallis surrendered at Yorktown, Virginia. The American Revolution was nearing its end. Nobody, nobody in Europe could believe that the ragtag, that's what they called them, the ragtag Continental Army of the colonies in America had beaten back the British. If you read the story of the revolutionary from a perspective, from a conservative or a Christian perspective, there is factually reams. I don't know how many occasions there are, but there are books written about it. How many times God intervened during the Revolutionary War? It is only it can only be explained some of the things that happened by a supernatural intervention on behalf of the people by God Himself in the affairs of that. Revolutionary War. It's it's an amazing story. I've read some of the books and um, have files on some of the stuff that happened. I used to give speeches on that sometimes and one thing or another, and I've talked about it on this program. But it is an amazing, an amazing uh, piece of history, what happened during that time. Well, this particular, uh, in fact, there are some miracles associated with this, which we won't get into today, but uh, this Yorktown issue was near the end of the Revolutionary War. Today in 1814, the first documented public performance of the Star-Spangled Banner took place at the Holiday Street Theater in Baltimore. And no one took a knee. Today in 1960, the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. was arrested during a sit-down protest at a lunch counter in Atlanta. He was sent to prison for a parole violation over a traffic offense. King was released three days later because Robert F. Kennedy appealed his case. Today, in 1987, the stock market crashed at the Dow Jones Industrial Average Plunge 508 points. It has had gyrations of more than that since then, even recently, but the point of it was that that was 22.6% of its value. That was the biggest daily percentage loss. It became known as Black Monday. I remember it well. Some of the members of our church were business people. In fact, a number of them were, and, and some of them were calling me, and they were in panic because they were thought they were about to be pushed into bankruptcy. It was a horrible day and a horrible time economically. Today in 1987. Today in 2010, the Pentagon directed the military to accept openly gay recruits for the first time in the nation's history. They said that makes our military stronger. Today in 2016, in the third and final 2016 presidential debate, Republican Donald Trump 
stunned, according to Associated Press, stunned the forum in Las Vegas by refusing to say he would accept the results of the election if he were to lose. Democrat Hillary Clinton declared Trump's resistance horrifying. Well, it shouldn't have because Hillary herself, from that point on, or from the time that Trump was inaugurated, she referred to his presidency as an illegitimate presidency, meaning the vote wasn't correct. She was actually an election denier. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but there, th- this term is, is coming to the surface, particularly now as we move toward the November 8 midterm election coming up very soon. But the, 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 the term election denier is almost like being a leper. It's kind of like unclean, unclean. They used, you know, used to say, even in, in biblical times, it's written about. Um, it's a, it's a word that the left feels is the most derogatory way that they can, um, sort of, identify, or label, someone who's a conservative, or not one of them. And this election denier thing has become, it's, it's like horrifying. It's like children. They bring children to watch this. See that man over there? That person? They're election deniers. And they have brought this to that level. I mean, really, they have. And they're using this constantly if in a, in a pejorative way to, uh, to, to label and, and, and marginalize people. And they do it with politicians, and I'll come back to that in a few moments when we talk about a certain politician who is taking their state and the left by storm by in regards to what she's doing and how she's doing it and what she's saying. And what she's saying is, is truth, and they're having a hard time with that. We'll come back to that in a moment. But this election denier thing, and now it's starting to surface again, and and they're now starting to get the Biden administration is starting to get policies in place where they can kind of go after a, an election denier for spreading misinformation. Social media will ban or drop what you say. I'm, I'm very vulnerable to that, as you can imagine. Uh, they'll drop what you say or, or just erase it. I mean, make it disappear. Uh, if you talk about anything that violates the election denier uh, labeling now and that whole genre of bad people, so it's a it's a tricky kind of a time that we're in, and it's a time of words that mean something different than what you think they mean, and they keep changing, of course, the the meaning of words as well. But anyway, Hillary Clinton is still talking about that, and she's still going on and on about it, and yet she herself always refers to Donald Trump as a le- illegitimate president or former president. So they call <laughs> they call the, the pot black, but they themselves become the pot. It's an amazing thing how the, the left lives in a circular um, experience. I mean, they don't have any real foundation because they reject the Bible as the ultimate truth. And they, they simply don't accept it. They use it from time to time to use verses to try to manipulate people and, and make people believe something that isn't true uh, and lead them to a false conclusion. But they don't really believe the Bible because they don't even attempt to live by it in the things that are important to them, like abortion and, and homosexuality and the, the sanctity of life and 
marriage and all of that. I mean, they're very anti-biblical. And they claim to be devout in their faith, but they they use the Bible to to influence more ordinary, honest people, which are many in America. Sometimes we think that America has become the left. It, it really hasn't. It is becoming that. We're moving in the wrong direction. But there is a pushback. There's a significant pushback. But to think there isn't corruption in the highest levels, particularly and including our elections, it's, um, I don't know. But I'll tell you, the nation is on high alert. I, there's the registrar of Riverside County, California, this morning, announced that they they said, oh, it was an accident. They sent out 5,000 duplicate ballots in the mail this week. And uh, none of them, none of them, they said, would count if voters tried to vote twice. And there are a lot of people in California today, and not all people are far left crazies, but I know some are there, but not all of them. And so they're asking questions. They're saying, what? (laughs) Say that again? Uh, Riverside County Registrar of Voters, this Rebecca Spencer, she put out a, a notice. She's apologizing. She said she's very sorry for it and so on. But her statement says approximately 5,000 duplicate ballots were erroneously mailed to some voters in Riverside County. A computer system error mistakenly generated duplicate mailing files for 5,000 voters. The computer system error was identified, however, and the ballot packets were already, uh, but the out. The ballot packets were already delivered to the U.S. Postal Service. It's important to note that none of the duplicate ballots, she says, will result in a voter being able to cast more than one ballot. Um, <laughs> Rebecca said, I take election integrity seriously and apologize for the inconvenience. And that could be true. I don't know. But boy, are people concerned about it, particularly in Riverside County, California today. They're looking into this and they're saying, tell me more. Each vote-by-mail envelope, she said, has a barcode. When the barcode is scanned, and I think we all know that, as accepted at the registrar uh, voter's office, it automatically locks the voter's record so that the voter can only uh, vote once. Well, <laughs> I'm okay. I, I, I understand that. That theoretically is the way it works. But too many people in America have stood back, good people, Honest, hardworking, God-fearing people, and said, and watch some of this stuff going on with these ballots, and to say that there is no wrongdoing, there is no election fraud, is really bizarre because there is. It's just a matter of how much is there. So anyway, people are pretty on full alert in Riverside County today. She said if a voter receives two ballots, not to worry about it. She's the county. She went on to say, she said, the voters who receive a second ballot should destroy it and submit only one ballot before Election Day on November 8th. Well, that's true. They should. But would they? Or would someone collect them and cast them for whomever? I'll tell you, the, uh, the upcoming election is uh, on uh, Tuesday, November 8th, coming up soon. This uh, midterm, all 435 seats in the House of Representatives and 35 of the 100 seats in the Senate are will be contested on the ballot. So there will be an election around all of those. This is a significant, significant election. 
all elections are, but this one particularly is significant. We look around and sometimes you feel overwhelmed, sometimes you feel helpless. Habakkuk, he's not often quoted, but the prophet, said, The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk upon mine high places. That's the word of the Lord. Arizona's Kerry Lake, a former Fox 10 Phoenix uh, anchor. Phoenix, of course, is a major TV market. It's a major city. It's one of the top TV markets in the country. I can't remember. I used to know all of them, what they were. We were on television there at one time. But uh, it's one of the top ones. And uh, she was a an anchor there in the news for, for a long time, 22 years, I think it was. But she reached a point in her life as she tells the story. I don't know her, but she she tells the story of how she reached a point in her life where she walked away. She just left being a news anchor. She's very articulate. She's um, well-spoken, smart, um, made for TV, as they say. Um, she's been at it a long time. She's seen it all. 22 years at Fox Channel 10 in Phoenix, and nearly 30 years, I believe, as an anchor, she decided to leave the world of journalism because the leftist bias made its way to the forefront of the news coverage. She told Breitbart News in a uh, last Wednesday in a private interview or exclusive interview, she said, we're on... We're so on to the legacy media, the mainstream media. It's so obvious what they're up to. Donald Trump, as you can imagine, has endorsed her. The way they cover things, when they go, oh, you can't ask that. You're an election denier. You're this. They call people names. You just go, wait a minute. Journalists shouldn't call names like that. They shouldn't label people. She said, I think people are awake to the fake news, and thank God for President Trump for opening our eyes, she went on to say. She said, I just got fed up. I knew it was heading toward the left. I knew that the majority of people in the news were liberal, some of them hardcore leftists, and it was a smaller and smaller and smaller group of people who were conservative. I saw that when we did our program for 12 years daily, originating from Coin TV in Portland, and it was on around the country. We were on in, in Arizona there in a number of cities on, on network affiliates. And I saw that just for myself, and I wasn't a journalist. I was doing what I do on the Gary Randall program. But I watched. It originated in the news uh, area. I mean, so I was right next to the news desk and came to know over all those years uh, the people that were producing the news and the network people were in and out of there sometimes and, and so on. And boy, I would I would agree with her. What I observed, and I'm you know I was nobody. I was I was the religious guy. But um, man, I I saw these more and more and more digging in their heels and and becoming more calculated in what they said and how they said it, so they could cause the public to believe something. I mean, it was discussed, and that was a while ago. So it's so much more so that way now. She so she said in this interview, she said, listen, we're going to get all kinds of people in this world. Not everybody's not everybody's going to be completely neutral in the middle. It's really hard not to have any opinions, but you got to check your opinions at the door if you're a journalist. 
or that's what you're supposed to do. She said, I was trained to do that. People come up to me and go, I had no idea you were conservative. I didn't even know. And I go, that's because I was a good journalist. I didn't show that on the air. The media is trying to now circumvent and marginalize Lake and her campaign. She's running for governor of Arizona. And it's a surprise because she hasn't been in politics anymore, but she handles herself extremely well, communicates, as you can imagine, extremely well, and she holds rock-solid conservative views on the sanctity of life and gender and all of this. And I want to talk a little bit about her today, not necessarily just to promote her, but to talk about there are these kinds of people that are emerging in our political process in America. She's not the only one. She is perhaps getting the most attention now because she is so skilled at what she does. And she is so, um, I believe, so uh, legitimate in that she really believes what she's saying and she's really doing what she's doing because she got fed up with the direction that her state was starting to, to move toward, a generally in the past conservative state. She became very concerned about it. She says she will, she says she will take, take the stage, stand on the line, whatever, she said, I am the lone gubernatorial debate this last week. Katie Hobbs, who is a, an official, I think Hobbs is the Secretary of State or something like that. But anyway, she didn't show up. She refused to show up for a debate. Arizona Clean Elections Commission, CEC, they had worked with both campaigns to set up a debate that satisfied the candidates. Despite the effort, Hobbs refused to share the stage with Lake. So she took the stage by herself. I mean, she said, I'm going to set an empty chair up there. As it turned out, they sort of poo-pooed that right at the end, but that was the plan. And she went ahead and gave an interview. But the CEC granted Lake then a one-on-one -on -one interview with Arizona PBS, but they denied one for Hobbs because she refused to debate. On Wednesday, Phoenix-based journalist Hank Stevenson he reported that the PBS circumvented the CECs, the group in charge, decision and granted Hobbs a one-on-one -on -one interview next week, right before the election. Carrie Lake responded with this tweet. Here's what she said. She said, we just learned hours before airtime of tonight's Clean Elections Commission debate that PBS has unilaterally caved to Katie Hobbs' demands and bailed her out from the consequences of her cowardly decision to avoid de debating me on the stage. As the CEC's broadcast partner, PBS actions are a slap in the face to the commissioners of the CEC and a betrayal of their efforts to put on an actual debate. Remember, she writes on her tweet, Remember, the CEC specifically voted against Katie Hobbs' demand for her one-on-one -on -one interview, but PBS went behind the CEC's uh, backs and agreed to give her one anyway. That's because PBS, a supposedly objective taxpayer-funded entity, is working overtime to help elect Katie Hobbs, who needs all the help she can get. PBS has now become complicit in Katie Hobbs' attempt to destroy 20 years of gubernatorial debate tradition. We are actively working with the Clean Elections Commission, and we continue to push for an opportunity for a real debate 
with both candidates on stage. This gives you an idea of where this woman is coming from. She's highly skilled. She's a great communicator, and she understands the press. She's been the press and in the press for 30 years in a major market. I found it interesting that Lake's opponent in this gubernatorial race, as Katie Hobbs, immediately when when Carrie Lake reacted to her and what she had done, I mean, it was clearly just blatantly uh, wrong. And the media, I mean, they PBS, but yeah, they're how can we help? You know, uh, because she's uh, very liberal. But it's interesting how that as people take a position. They, there's a there there's immediately the the rescue that happened and in this case this opponent this Katie Hobbs she went directly to MSNBC's Andrea Mitchell reports immediately and probably asked them can we can I be on your air oh yes 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 and she was when she was on their air live just I mean right as this was happening she explained that she would not debate because Lake would make a spectacle and confirmed that PBS did indeed make special arrangements for her. She wasn't even there wasn't even a pretense that there wasn't special arrangement. She just said, "Well, the reason that me and the media aren't allowing this to happen is because Lake will make a spectacle." But Lake is she's a, an attractive woman. She's accomplished. She's brilliant and extremely well spoken. She not, wouldn't make a spectacle. She would probably expose Hobbs for what she is. Very very far left. So it just, you know, I, I mean, you look at this and, and you see, and this woman is stepping up now. And again, this is an example of the kinds of people not all may be as skilled in communication as this woman is, but there are people like this that are stepping up. Glenn Youngkin in Virginia, and there's, the list is, is, a, is a growing list of highly qualified people that are running for governor and other positions. And they're starting to win and Yunkin just turned Virginia on its head in the last election when he was elected. Nobody thought he could win, not because he wasn't talented. He, like this Kerry Lake, is very, very um, skilled. He's a great communicator. He, he is deeply committed to Jesus, and he talked about it when he came into politics. He's been a very successful businessman. He was, I, I read his net worth. I mean, it's Several hundred million, I think I read. I mean, he's very wealthy, very successful. And yet he said he and his wife talked about it. And they decided that if Jesus is in this, we're going we're gonna to run for governor of Virginia. And everybody was kind of laughing about it. I was following it when it happened, and I'd never heard of him before. And so I was paying attention to it because the, 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 the left, the, the Democrat uh, kind of superstars, so to speak, had really had their hands on the throat of Virginia. And um, I thought, man, who, who is this guy? You know, and I followed, and the rest is history. He won handily because he stood up for parents. He stood up for education, not indoctrination, and called it what it was. Well, this woman, Lake, is doing the same thing. And there's a response to that. There's a hunger in our nation for people to stand up and tell the truth. And I will say this carefully, but even <clears throat> even if people don't fully agree with you, if they sense that there's an authentic truth-telling 
and you're talking about something they know to be true, even if they don't agree with your opinion on that whatever it is, there's an appreciation in America for somebody that just seems to be authentic. I think that's part of what's driving this. I haven't heard any of the you know news people touch on that part of it, but I think that is a piece of it. People are looking for authenticity, and it's hard to find today. It has been said that truth is a lonely warrior. Authenticity is a lonely warrior as well. She said in her interview, she said, our kids are colorblind. She said, I raised my children. They don't see skin color. My little boy knew he was a boy. My little girl knew she was a girl. Our school never went and tried to confuse them on that. She continued pointing out just how innocent and impressionable and vulnerable children are to such ideologies that they're being presented with now. And it's, she said it's obsessive. She said, our kids' brains are so malleable that you can convince them that Santa Claus flies around the globe. And, you know, that's a beautiful thing. But it shows what our kids, their belief, they'll believe anything. She said, our schools are using that innocence of our children to twist their minds into the disturbing thought process to where they actually want to have surgeries to change who they are. She said, that's sick and it should be criminal. And I will work tirelessly as the governor with the legislators to protect our children on all that stuff. We want our kids to go to school. We want them to get smarter, not dumber. We want them to go in with common sense and leave. We don't want them to go in with common sense and leave confused. And we demand that our schools educate our children. It's an interesting um, interview. <clears throat> I shared part of it in an article that I wrote today. It's on our website, faithandfreedom.us. Even a former Obama President Obama's former chief of staff or uh, chief counselor, I think he was, uh, Axios is a left-leaning liberal news organization. They're even saying that the Democratic Party uh, strategists are watching Arizona's Cary Lake with growing alarm, is what they said, uh, I think it was yesterday, in a piece they published. And And they said, here's why it matters. As some see it, Lake, a 2020 election denier, could easily win the state's gubernatorial race and threaten its 2024 election processes. And with the talent she's already displayed, even as a political novice, they see her potential to soar to a vice presidential spot or a post-Trump presidential candidacy. Well, I don't know about all that, but I mean, that's what they're thinking, the left. And uh, David Axelrod, he was a top aide to former President uh, Barack Obama, he said, told Axios, he said, if you get a candidate who has the performance skills of a mark, major market local TV anchor and philosophy and thinking of a Steve Bannon, that's a potent and dangerous combination. Look at Italy. Well, we should look at Italy because Italy, as I talked about on this program just a while back, Italy decided they weren't going to go down that liberal path anymore, that progressive path to, to destruction. And they changed. They voted a very voted in a very conservative leader in their country. And everybody's kind of mocking Italy now, like, what are they thinking? That's regressive. Maybe they're thinking they want out of the cesspool that that the progressive politics has led them into. And I would suggest to you that I think in America today that there's a pushback. I see it. I feel it. I, I in all parts of the country, even some of the most liberal parts of the country, I think we'll see. But I think this upcoming election will be perhaps a forerunner to more of the same. Hey, thanks for being with me today. It's always a pleasure. And thank you for your support. We need it. 
particularly those of you in the Portland area, Southwest Washington, hey, we need to hear from you. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Thanks for being here today. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.